0: Well, I think we ought to get started. That way, we'll get all the latecomers to show up sooner. And uh, well, shall we pray? Gracious Lord, I thank you for your mercy, for your love, Father, for the gifts of life that we have. Everything is we we have around us is is from you and is a blessing to us from you. And I, I give you thanks for that. I give you thanks for your word and the message that it brings to us, and I ask you to your spirit to be here guiding us this evening as we as we discuss uh, the fourth lamentation thank you father for giving us so much in this life so much so very much and we are undeserving of it but through your son we have a blessing of being your child your children and we thank you for that watch over as we pray in jesus name as is as to others, I'm going to read the entirety of the uh, fourth lamentation before we, we actually start discussing it. Uh, and uh, so we'll start with verse one notice. There's a few things about it that uh, I think should be, should be noted. Uh, first of all, uh, it's unlike the last, last week. With uh, Lamentations three, both in its structure, uh, it's like Lamentations one and two has a single acrostic structure, rather than Lamentations three, which was a triple acrostic structure. Though it doesn't mean it's that much shorter or longer than uh, is that much shorter than than three, and uh, each verse in four is three line as two lines, I think. See, and uh, in and uh, three, it was sets of three lines uh, that were in the triple acrostic. Uh, notice that it begins with the word how. And if you look back, you'll find uh, the first lamentation and the second lamentation both started with the word how. Uh, more or less an exclamation, perhaps, um, a wondering. How did we get here, type of thing. Um, so, like first and second lamentations, it's twenty-two verses. Uh, unlike lamentations one and two, there's a single voice in this. We don't have, uh, as we did in one and in two, uh, the city and and a narrator. Um, and of course, the, it begins with the with the word how, which in, uh, in the Hebrew is what they've named Lamentations, the book itself is the hows, because of these words. Shall we begin with it? How the gold has lost its luster, the fine gold become dull, the sacred gems are scattered at every street corner. How precious children of Zion, once worth their weight in gold, are now considered as pots of clay, the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer their breasts to nurse their young, but my people have become heartless like ostriches in the desert. Because of thirst, the infant's infant's tongue sticks to the roof of its mouth. The children beg for bread, but no one gives it to them. Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those who brought, those brought up in royal purple now lie in ash heaps. The punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment without a ha- hand turned to help her. Their princes were brighter than snow, whiter than the milk, their bodies more ruddy than rubies, their appearance like lapis lazuli. But now they are blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin is shriveled on on their bones. It has become as dry as a stick. Those killed by the sword are better off than those who die of famine, Racked with hunger they waste away for lack of food from the field. With their own hands compassionate women have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger He kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. But it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed within her the blood of the righteous. Now... They grope through the streets as if they were blind. They are so defiled with blood, no one dares to touch their garments. Go away, you are unclean, the people cry to them. Go away, do not touch us. When they flee and wander about, people among the nations say, they can't stay here any longer. The Lord himself has scattered them, He no longer watches over them. The priests are shown no honor, the elders no favor. Moreover, our eyes failed, looking in vain help from our towers. We watched for a nation that could not save us. People stalked us at every step so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near. Our days were numbered for the for our end had come our pursuers were swifter than eagles in the sky they chased us over the mountains and lay in wait for us in the deserts the lord uh, the lord's anointed our very life breath was caught in their traps we thought that under his shadow we would live among the nations rejoice And be glad, daughter Edom, you who live in the land of Uz. But to you also the cup will be passed. You will be drunk and stripped naked. Your punishment will end, daughter Zion. He will not prolong your exile. But he will punish your sin, daughter Edom, and expose your wickedness. So, like the first two, remember they're painting pictures. What do you see when you listen to this? What, what, what do you see as you listened that the author wanted you to see? Yes. Kind of reminded me of New Orleans after Katrina. Just okay. Everywhere. You need he, New Orleans after Katrina? Just devastation everywhere. Yeah, just junk and things that were valuable just laying broken on the ground, kind of stuff. Okay. Anyone else? Well, no one really has anything. I mean, there's been devastation across the board with no regard for uh, position. And it talks about the princes and the priests have been laid bare, just like everybody else. Okay, society has been leveled. One level. Starvation, poverty, need, and fear... So, we no longer have princes. We no longer have have the elite of society. They're laying in the ash heaps just like we are. It's interesting that their punishment exceeded that of Sodom. So Sodom was destroyed pretty quickly by fire, I think. This was worse, and they probably suffered a whole lot longer. Which is better, to die in an instant or to starve to death over months? Eating your own kids. Eating your own kids. Sodom, they didn't have a chance to do that, it was gone. What else? In the first two, we see the pain and suffering. And the cause of it was their sin, though they never really repented of it. What was the cause of their suffering that they're seeing in this one? What's that? Their sin, they're being punished. But for whom? For, because of whom? Turn to, and if I can get my glasses out so I can see. In 13 it says, due to the sins of her prophets and they of the priests. Okay, what did the prophets and priests do? So they poured out in their midst the blood of the righteous. Poured out the blood of the righteous. What did they do? To, what The prophets, for instance, what were they telling the people? Lies? It's okay, don't listen. The all is going to be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. The Babylonians will come to our and surround our city and put us under siege, and then God will step in and take it all away. What's You're Jeremiah say. saying? They were thinking the same thing that happened in Hezekiah's day would happen again. That's right. At least the, the prophets are. Are saying that, um, in hindsight, we can we can look and say the prophets were wrong. Uh, Jeremiah was right, and as we discussed before, you know, if if a prophet says something and it doesn't come true, or it doesn't happen, uh, then he's a false prophet. But also that if he preaches or he prophesies and says that things are good. That are that God has told them are sins. He's a false prophet. Well, here they are, and they're false prophets, and they're and they're promoting idolatry, which is the worst sin, as far as I can see. It's the root of all sins, uh, and and I go back all the way to, uh, all the way to the to creation. And the, the first sin, the sin that Adam and Eve committed was turning their back on God and worshiping themselves. We want to be just like God. We want to understand and know and be just like God. And that and that, that what we see here is idolatry being promoted by the prophets and by the priests. What did, I'm told, and it um, seems to me it's in Jeremiah, that the prophets were actually sacrificing to idols in the temple grounds. The priests were being, were, were sacrificing to idols in the temple grounds, desecrating. So we see here, unlike one and two, the prophets and priests and even the elders being Condemned. It's your fault. This is what you did. You led the people astray. Uh, How vivid is the picture that you see? Can you see the city laying in waste? Like New Orleans after Katrina? Like the Ukraine, Mariupol? Just rubble? That's what he wants everyone to see, and not only that, but a, there, there's a. Uh, they want. He wants to make a comparison. Remember what it was like before. All the gold, gleaming in the temple. And in the palaces. And what's that gold look like right now? No, and dingy, with no American. Yeah, dull and dingy. Now, gold doesn't lose its luster, and so there's some that wonder why do he ever say that. Doesn't he? Doesn't he know enough? It's metaphor. He's saying that it's covered with ashes and soot and mud and dirt, and has lost its luster. And all the fine gems they had, the precious gems. Are scattered at every street corner. What was precious is now worthless. What's the state of the city? Destroyed. Destroyed. We find in Second Kings uh, that when they there were two the in the fourth month eighth day, I think it was, the walls were breached. It was a month later, in the fifth month on the ninth day, that the commander of Nebuchadnezzar's army came in and burned the temple to the ground and sacked and sacked and burned and just totally destroyed the city. This is probably written around that time. People are starving in the streets. Uh, we find mention of uh, people stalking them at night, I assume that's guards, maybe not, maybe it's something else, I'm, but it looks, sounds like it's, uh, the, guard, the guards are in the city and under full control over whatever is left over. why is it in this state and why does and what does it mean to us today not just in the united states but almost anywhere it's a warning we don't want to fall under the wrath of god verse 11 says the lord has given full vent to his wrath he has poured out his fierce anger and kindled a fire in Zion that consumed her foundations. What happened to the prophets and the priests and the elders? They were scattered. They were scattered? Who scattered them? God did um, they after this after this the destruction they grope in the streets as if they were blind and they're so defiled with blood that no one dares touch their garments they're unclean and people say go away stay away from us you're unclean and God scattered them he no longer watches over them. The priests are shown no honor, the elders no favor. What about the, uh, oh, one, one comment though is to notice in that section, the tents. And actually, I, uh, it's pretty much throughout this. It's all past, all past tense. Uh The Lord has scattered them. The priests are shown no favor. Uh, We find speaking of in the past. All this has happened. All this is done. People stalked us. Moreover, our eyes failed. From our towers we watched for a nation that could not save us. What nation would they were they looking to save them? What nation? Egypt. Egypt. Uh, and God had warned them repeatedly, "Don't go to Egypt." And that was both literally and figuratively. At the end, he told uh, Jeremiah, "Don't go to Egypt." He told through Jeremiah. He told the king, "You don't go to Egypt. It's not going to happen. They're go- They're in the- for the same, same uh, plight that you are. They aren't going to come to your help. Uh, we, they also had other friends around the Edom being the the name that they they tack on to, to cover all of them actually. And they watched and they waited, and no one came. And they now say." We, that uh, no one has come to rescue us. No one had come. No one came to rescue us. We watched from the towers for a nation that could not save us. They were in God's hands, God's wrath, and nothing was going to save them. Um, people stalked us at every step. We could not walk in the streets. The end was near, our days were numbered, for, all the, our, for our end had come. So it's very much finalized. Everything's happened that's going to happen. Um, what happened to the rulers of Judah? They were smited. <laughs> they were smited. A good, good verb to use on it. They were smited. Well, what when, when the walls were breached and the Babylonians started flooding in, what did the king and the leaders of the army and all the princes do? Yeah, they had a secret exit that they could use uh, in the palace and they snuck out in hopes of not being captured. Um, our pursuers, though, were swifter than eagles in the sky. They chased us all over the mountains and lay in wait for us in the desert. The Lord's anointed our very breath was caught in their traps. We thought that under His shadow we would live among the nations. They thought incorrectly. What happened to Zedekiah. Okay. And then he died in Burma. Yeah, and he died. I, it, it's an old style punishment, I guess you might call it, and that's that. Uh, you let everything you hold dear be taken away from you, and slaughtered, and then you have your eyes torn out, so you see nothing more but that final scene of your children one by one being run through. Your, ar- your princes, the whole the whole prince, all the princes of Israel run through and you see it all as they're executed and you see it all as the army is leaders of the army are all executed. When they caught the, when they caught up with them, they took the leaders of the army and the rest of the army scattered. Uh, nothing know, known about what happened. The ones that fled, but uh, the leaders were taken and, and executed. It was quite quick. Expected and Zedekiah was blinded and led away. Um, they were he. They were thinking he was. They called him the Lord's anointed, which is interesting because I I find a. A couple of things, uh, Zedekiah was, and uh, um, Jehoiachin died and Zedekiah became, was named king. But the, prior to that, uh, Jehoiachin was, had voluntarily given himself into captivity to the Babylonians in the, probably the second time they uh, that they came and, and uh, laid siege to the city. The interesting thing is that we only know about Jehoiachin. We know that after a number of years that he was released, I think it was 30 sticks in my mind, that he was released from prison and he was taken care of and sat at the king's table and was treated very well. Zedekiah, we know nothing of. Uh, and so, it, it's an interesting thing to see what happened after this. Um, the last little thing before we go into detail in what what the what the lamentation reads. Uh, is this. What consolation is there for Israel? What's left? What good can possibly come now to Israel? What good news is there? If any, that's in this, in this lamentation. Go to the very end. Yeah. Your punishment will come to an end. He will not prolong your exile. Okay. Your punishment is done. Um, Rejoice, um, the Lord's anointed. Uh, your punishment will end, daughter Zion, and I find it interesting. He's used daughter Zion. Uh, it sounds a little closer than than just Jerusalem, uh, and he won't prolong your exile, but he will punish your sin, daughter Edom. And expose your wickedness. Uh, Jeremiah the fifteenth, uh, the twenty-fifth verse, chapter um, covers a lot of what is background, to what what's happening here. If I can get to uh, where I marked myself, twenty-fifth chapter of Jeremiah. First of all, he starts out by saying your captivity is going to last for 70 years. So, and as he says elsewhere, so uh, get ready, you know, don't sit there and wait for him to come. Plant a garden, build a house, marry off your children, settle down. Tim, do you have something? Okay. And, uh, And then he goes on to talk about a cup of wrath. And this is what he's speaking of here at the end. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will swagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom he sent me drink it, Jerusalem and the towns of Judah, its kings and officials, to make them a ruin and an object of horror and scorn, a curse, as they are today. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and scorn, uh, his attendants, his officials, and all his people, and all the foreign people there. All the kings of Uz and the kings of the Philistines, those of Eshcolon, Gaza, Ekron, and the people of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, Ammon, all the kings of Tyre and Sidon, the kings of the coastlands across the sea, Dedan, Temah, Buzz, and all those that are in distant places, all the kings of Arabia and the kings of the, of the foreign peoples who live in the wilderness. All the kings of Zimri, Elam, and Media, Midia. all the kings of the north, kings far and near, one after another, all the kingdoms on the face of the earth, and after them all, the king of Sheshach, will drink it too, and tell them, "This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says." Drink, get drink, get drunk, and vomit, and fall. Uh, to rise no more because of the sword I will send among you. So he's saying here in the, at the end of, of this lamentation is that rejoice and be glad, daughter Edom, you who live in the land of us. but to you also the cup will be passed and you will be drunk and stripped naked just as Jerusalem is, has already been your punishment will end, daughter Zion. He will not prolong your exile. But he will punish your sin, daughter, daughter Edom, and expose your wickedness. So there's a promise made in this at the end, a little bit of hope shed, that you're going to, uh, uh, you're going to be, your punishment is going to come to an end sooner rather than. Later you might say, uh he won't prolong your exile, but he will punish your sin, daughter Edom. So whereas before there were shouts of anger in the first two lamentations that God, you did this to us. Look at Edom. Look at all those other kingdoms, do it to them. They're just as guilty as we are. And here God saying that just as before, when I had had uh, in Jeremiah carry that cup throughout all the nations, and I'm not sure if that was literal or figural, figurative, but he carried this cup of God's wrath to each of them. You're next, is what he's saying. And this print, this one finishes off where that left off. So if we go back and look at in in a little more detail at this uh, at this lamentation as I mentioned it starts off with gold having lost its luster sacred gems scattered in every corner so everything that was precious before is worthless. Not only gold and gems but the children, which is probably the most precious gift and the most precious thing that parents can have is their children. All their hopes for future are tied up in their children. Their children, who were once worth their weight in gold to the parents are now worthless, and we see how worthless a little later on, right? They're worthless enough that when they hopefully died, that compassionate mothers cooked them and ate them for dinner. Starvation will take a lot out of, out of the humanity of people. Make cannibals of a lot of. Matter of fact, not only were the children now worthless, they were really a burden, right? They want food, they want to eat. You're compassionate, you're their parent. What do you want to give them? What do you want to give to them? I have a piece of bread. What is a compassionate parent going to do in this situation? Are they going to eat the bread in front of the children? Or are they going to give it to them? Maybe they can last one more day. Hope has been washed away. But it was starts out uh, looking at, look at how wonderful, everything you had before that was so precious is now, so worthless. Uh, it, it sort of reminds me of people, you know, that uh, that that are doomsday, you might say, and they're they're storing up gold. Well, gold is of no value if there's no food, and that's what they're discovering here. All these valuables you had before are now worthless. They're gathering dust and dirt. Nobody can see how they gleam and glow in the sunlight. These beautiful gems. I don't know. I make I cut gems and I think they're beautiful, but you know I don't think I'd get much sustenance out of eating them. And when you've leveled society the way God leveled society. Yes. I hate to go back to Katrina, but we saw things that you would never think would be destroyed. You know, water comes in from the city. Coast Water comes in, goes back out. You think, okay, clean it off, it'll be okay. There were people that had stainless steel bowls that they would clean them up, set them aside, and two weeks later they had holes in them <laughs> because of the chemicals. Because of the chemicals. Things you just wouldn't imagine. You think things <clears throat> would last, that didn't last. No. When everything's brought down to level, ground level, like this, there what was precious before isn't. Well, as far as the jewels, if they had, they were precious, but to them there was no one to sell the jewels to. There was no one there to buy the jewels, so that they'd have money to buy food. Yeah, and there was no food even if they had money, which made the useful. So it was worthless. Um, The term, when they bring up uh, uh, heartless like ostriches in the desert, uh, that's sort of a uh, uh, saying of something that, you know, heartless people or heartless things. Why the ostrich got picked on, I don't know. Um, But even the jackals, which, what would a jackal be? In the, uh, to a Jew, well, As a hyena, dog, nothing, not, not something that you would you would take home as a pet. Not that they really had pets, but uh, even the jackals feed their children, and yet you you don't feed your own children. Um, Because of thirst, uh, I mean the, the pictures that it paints for me uh, are, are just horrific. Because of thirst, the infants' tongues stick to the roof of their mouth. Uh, children beg for bread, but there isn't any bread. No one's going to give it to them. Um, and then he then uh, after that he goes into the into uh, the punishment that they're receiving, and they compare it to the punishment of Sodom, and which was preferable? Preferable? Which? Which? Which, which was preferred? What Sodom got his punishment, or what we're getting? Sodom. I mean, it was it was fire and brimstone coming down for him. Heaven, it was as instantaneous as you can get. months of little or no food. Your children dying, and you cook them for dinner. Uh, or kill them and cook them. Or kill them and them. It doesn't, doesn't really say that they died. Others imply that they died. But, but the punishment was worse than Sodom. We see others that, and in this one as well, in the, in the ninth verse, those killed by the sword are better off than those who die of famine, racked with hunger, wasted away. So the picture that he's that's being painted is just horrific. Um, the princes uh, and you, it's hard to separate. You know the punishment of Sodom, Sodom, and without a hand turned to help her, which was unthro- overthrown in a moment. And then it says, their princes. Well, that doesn't refer to Sodom. That refers to Jerusalem. Their princes were as bright, brighter than the snow, whiter than milk. They were just in a, they were ruddy in complexion and they glowed like lapis lazuli. Anyone know what lapis looks like? That's really beautiful. Beautiful blue. And in those days, that was a, Considered a rare gem and uh, very valuable. Uh, the princes, this is what your princes looked like before. And now he paints the picture of, but now, they are blacker than soot, contrasting against the brighter than snow. They, You can't even recognize them in the street. They look like everybody else, downcast, starving, Almost nothing but bones. uh, Dry as a stick, it says. So, you have all of this going on. The starvation has turned what was beautiful into something ugly. Just as all the gems that you had and all the Precious metals are now worthless, so are your princes. They're just like you. They're starving and dying in the streets. You see them in ash heaps. It was much better as if they, uh, to be run through with a sword, killed by the sword. They're much better off than those who would who would die of famine. Um, then it goes back, to then it looks back at the, what the women do, it's mentioned two or three or four times. Compassionate women have cooked their own children and eaten them for dinner. All this was done by God. Mm-hmm. Babylon, remember Nebuchadnezzar, as Jeremiah told him, he is my servant. Nebuchadnezzar is there because God sent him there. He is doing God's, he's a tool to do God's work. And God has put full vent to his wrath. And he is, and has poured out his fierce anger and burned Jerusalem. Now, all this is because of the prophets, the priests, the leaders of, the, of, Jeru- of Jerusalem, of Judah, who prophesied lies, sacrificed idols to idols in the temple grounds, led the people astray. Where are they now? Well, they're shunned by the people. First of all, they're groping around the streets as if they're blind and they're defiled with blood that no one dares, so defiled with blood that no one dares touch their garments. Now, I don't know whether whether what was happening was that the priests were making, still making their daily sacrifices. It's a pretty bloody, bloody job. It leaves you covered with blood. And of course, you'd have to make yourself uh, clean after that. But they were unclean nonetheless. No one dared touch their garments. And God scattered them. Um, Pretty much what we're seeing now is the end has come. This is it. We're done. There's no hope. We aren't going to get rescued. There's no hope. The end has come. And these prophets and these priests and prophets and elders of Jerusalem, uh, what happened to them? Well, remember that in the prior waves uh, of deportations, you might say, of of captivity, they took, what did they take from the city? The people, what people were taken? Did they take the poor on the streets? They took the rich and the people, the like the uh, merchants and the well-to-do people. They took the wealthy. They took raided from the, uh, the princes of the kingdom. They took uh, your best artisans. They had plenty of work needed to be done in Babylon. They took artisans. They took all the best, the most, Everything from society they needed, what was left was the dregs. And they left a few, and it said, so that they could go till the fields. That's all they left. So when he says here uh, that talking about the priests and the, and the uh, prophets, uh, we need to go back to Second Kings 25 to see what went on. As we find the uh, sack of, as we find the sack of Jerusalem, as I said, it came in two waves. The first one was the breaching of the wall. And then a month later, when uh, when Nebuchadnezzar's uh, general came. And uh, and starting in verse 18, uh, they ra- well they rounded them all up. The commander of the guard took as prisoners uh, Sarai Seria, the chief priest Zephaniah, priest next in rank, and the three doorkeepers of those still in the city. He took the officer in charge of the fighting men. And five royal advisors, he also took the secretary, who was chief officer in charge of conscripting the people uh, of the land, and sixty of the conscripts who were found in the city. Nabazardin, the, the commander, took them and brought them all to the to the king of Babylon and Ribla, and there at Ribla, in the land of Hamath, the king had them executed. So if they hadn't already taken you, they took these priests, and I assume the prophets among them and the, the leaders and the, what was left over, that had survived, and they took that maybe that had not uh, ran, had not, not run out of the Jerusalem at the breach, and they rounded them up. They took them to uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Riblah, and there they were executed. So, he scattered the prophets and the priests and the elders. And remember that these were the the, the what was left. Everything else was gone. Uh, the lament, as I said, ended with reminding, with uh, the writer reminding Edom and their other friends that did not come to their aid that the cup of God's wrath is coming for them and they will drink of it as, they, as did Jerusalem. As for Jerusalem itself, its punishment is over or coming soon enough coming to an end. It's been decreed that it would be 70 years. Uh, Jeremiah had done that, had stated what it was, and got used to living in Babylon. You may think the flies are bad, but get used to it. Um, as for Jerusalem, its punishment was was coming to an end, and really it ends as a plea to God as it comes to an end um, to not prolong or exile that uh, it would be over with next week we'll look at the final uh, at the final lamentation it's number number five obviously and it is unlike the others Not an, not an acrostic like the others um, it is 22 verses, and from my looking at it, it could be written uh, at any number of times close to the destruction of Jerusalem, um, but it ends with a glimmer of hope, which we saw in the fourth, a slight glimmer of hope. In the fifth there's a slight glimmer of hope. Uh, any other anybody have any more com any other comments? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, in the book of Job, it sheds a little light on the ostrich and I won't read it all. Oh yes. That. She leaves her eggs at to the earth and lets them be warmed on the ground, forgetting that a foot may crush them and the wild beast may trample them. That's uh, and, and it goes on. But it starts in verse 39 it goes on. Yeah, that was in what? Out. Joe. Joe. 39. Yeah, that's what I thought it would be. And, yeah, that, and so basically it's saying, ah, the ostrich doesn't take care of its kids, which is sort of like... the saying, no, we be fine. Any other comments to make? Well, with that, I guess we'll... Uh... We'll end a couple of minutes early. Thank you for being here. And next week will probably be the last, uh, the last one. I'll cover the fifth one and uh, um, and make a, and try to make a wrap up of all the previous uh, lamentations as well. Thanks for being here tonight. See you next week. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the East Side Church of Christ